Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 6. Romans, chapter 6. And I'll read verses 3 through 6. 3 through 5, Romans chapter 6. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. The central thought of the apostle in these verses is the effect of the death, burial, resurrection of Christ on the lives of all who believe in him. We may consider the death, burial, resurrection of Christ as one united event This morning we think in particular of the resurrection of Christ which happened almost 2,000 years ago. But that resurrection of Christ still has its power and influence in the lives of Christians today. It has done so ever since and it will continue to do so. Exert its power and influence upon all who believe to the end of this world. A most amazing thing that took place 2,000 years ago still has its transforming power in the lives of people today. We ought not to be surprised by this when we consider who it is that we speak of. We speak of the eternal Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, who came down from heaven. The eternal Son of God became a man that he might go to the death of the cross and pay the penalty for human sin. And then he was buried in the grave. And on the third day, the tomb was opened and Christ came, raised from the dead with eternal, imperishable life. And he has been ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of God the Father in glory this morning. And the coming of the Son of God in the person of Jesus Christ is the most momentous event that has ever taken place in human history. The Bible calls it the fullness of time and the consummation of the ages. So wonderful a work did God do in Jesus Christ that the Bible says it has ushered in the last days because everything is finished that God needs to do for the salvation of sinners on earth and Christ is the final word in the last days the apostle says God has spoken to us in his son and so now all that remains is the proclamation of the gospel the publishing of the gospel through the preaching of the word when we consider the resurrection of Christ From that one event, the resurrection of Christ, there flowed, there emanates this transforming power so full of grace and mercy to men on earth that it still changes the lives of all who believe. And this is what the Apostle Paul is speaking of here in the second half of verse 4. He says that in order that as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, so we too who believe might walk in newness of life. This is what our sermon is about this morning, what it means to walk in the newness of life. Paul speaks here of our union with Christ, the union that began in eternity when God the Father elected his people and put them into union with Christ so that when Jesus Christ came into the world, We were all in union with him in everything that he did. We were united to him in his death upon the cross. We were united to him in his burial, united to him in his resurrection so that the spiritual blessings, the benefits that he purchased 
have all now come to us because of our union with him. Paul speaks of baptism in this passage because baptism is the visible symbol of this union. As Christ was, Christ died, was buried, and was raised from the dead, so it is symbolized in baptism in which we are brought down under the waters of baptism and then brought back up again, our death to sin, our resurrection to this newness of life. Baptism has no spiritual power in itself. Being baptized cannot give one this new life. Baptism is only the visible symbol of the new life and the blessings that have already been received by those who believe. This is what Paul is speaking of down through this passage. We see in verses 4 and 5 that the certain and inevitable result of the resurrection of Christ is that his people will walk in this newness of life. As he was raised from the dead through the glory, the glorious power of the Father, so we too, he says, might walk in newness of life. As Christ was raised from the dead, it is certain, it is inevitable that all who believe, we will walk as well in this newness of life. What is this newness of life? that Paul speaks of here. It is what all men and women need in this world today. The confusion, the disorder, the sorrow, the tragedy of man trying to live without God is seen so clearly all around us. The confusion of it all. This is what people need. People need to be brought out of their natural life under sin and into this newness of life which only Christ can give. What does it mean to walk in this newness of life? It all comes from the resurrection, the power of his resurrection from the dead. So we'll look at a number of things this morning that speak of what this newness of life is. First, this morning we will say that the newness of life is freedom. It is a life of freedom from the guilt and from the power of sin. This is what Paul has been dealing with here in the book of Romans in the previous chapters. He has spoken about the one man, Adam, who came into the world and Sin and death came by him so that all of us have sinned and we are all under the guilt, the condemnation that sin brings. There is none that is righteous, Paul says. There is no one who is good in this world in the sight of God. And there is no one who can deliver himself from the condemnation that sin brings by any of his good works. There is only one hope for guilty men and women, and it is found in what Jesus Christ has done, in the righteousness that he has accomplished, so that that righteousness of Christ is given to all who believe in Jesus. And then we are justified, and we are declared righteous in the sight of God. As soon as we believe in Jesus the righteousness of Christ freely given to us. We are forgiven of all of our sins once for all, freed, forever freed from the penalty of sin upon us. What an amazing thing it is. The guilt of sin is taken away from us. Guilt is a very powerful thing in the souls of men and women. Guilt brings shame Guilt brings sorrow, burden, oppression, depression upon the souls of men and women in this world. Guilt is very powerful in the souls of men and women. And it gnaws away and it destroys the happiness of the human soul. And one can go and find himself a priest and confess his sins to the priest, but the priest cannot forgive him of a single sin. And one can go to a psychiatrist and lay on the couch all day, and the psychiatrist cannot do a single thing to relieve him of any of the guilt of sin. 
There is only one who can free us from the penalty and guilt of sin, and it is Jesus Christ by his righteousness and by the gospel that Paul is speaking of here. This is part of the newness of life, but then after the guilt of sin is removed, we still have the power of sin because we are by nature slaves of sin. And we are enchained to our sins, in bondage to our sins, and we have no strength to set ourselves free. We cannot break, we cannot break the chains of sin that bind us by nature. Who can set us free? The answer is given again in Jesus Christ, who has the power to come to the prison of our sin and break those chains and set us free from the slavery of sin. This is what Paul mentions down in verse 17 of this chapter. If we read that verse, he says, But thanks be to God, that though you were slaves of sin once, before salvation, you have become obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So this is what Christ has done to us by his resurrection power. He has given us that heart by which we obey so that our obedience to the gospel is not something that is forced upon us outwardly, but it comes from the heart, he says. We are freed inwardly from slavery to sin and willingly we are now the slaves of righteousness. Thanks be to God, Paul says, that he has done this great work in us through Jesus Christ. The Son shall set you free, Jesus said. You shall be free indeed. Paul does not mean that we become perfect in this life because in Romans chapter 7 he goes on to speak of the great conflict that we still have with remaining sin. But this does speak of the great change that takes place in conversion when we come to Jesus that we are no longer slaves of sin. We are slaves of righteousness And we often speak of it this way, that sin no longer reigns in us, but yet it does still remain in us. So the first part of this newness of life that the Apostle Paul speaks of here is this newness in which we are freed from the guilt and the power of sin. But then in the second place, This newness of life is the beginning of eternal life. It is the beginning of eternal life. That's what he says here, chapter 6 and verse 23. He says, for the wages of sin, the reward of sin, a life of sin is death, eternal death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The eternal life that he speaks of here is the same as that newness of life that he mentioned back in verse 4. The newness of life is the beginning, the very beginning of this eternal life in this present world. Eternal life is not something that we merely wait for in the future, but eternal life begins now in this present life as a believer. We shall enter the fullness of it in the world to come, but Jesus says that he who believes has eternal life now. And does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death and into life. John chapter 6 and verse 40. Everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. John chapter 10 and verse 27. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. So this newness of life is the entrance now, presently, the beginning of the eternal life, which is to come in its fullness in the world to come. The word newness here in verse 4 is a word that means not just something that is recent in time or different But newness means something that is extraordinary in its quality. Newness of life is a life that is of an entirely different character. 
an entirely different nature. It is a newness of life that can only come by the supernatural work and gift of God. It is an inward transformation of the soul. It is newness of life, spiritual life that begins within us. It is what Ezekiel said, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. It is the new birth that Jesus spoke of when he said, you must be born again, born of the spirit. The world is always seeking after something new. Some new product, some new method, some new device, some new advance in technology, whatever it is, people in the world are often attracted to something they call new. But whatever is new in the world quickly becomes old and it is not new anymore. But this newness of life is always new. It is always being renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Always progressing, always moving toward its final perfection. The apostle said, our outer man is decaying, yes, but our inner man is being renewed day by day. It all flows from the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because in his resurrection, God exerted such tremendous, omnipotent power, raised him from the dead. But he was not just raised from the dead as an individual. He was raised as our representative. So that when he was raised to new life, the power of his resurrection did not come in that one event 2,000 years ago. The power of his resurrection is with him now. And he is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to raise all of his people to this newness of life. This is what is taking place in the life of every Christian. The power of his resurrection continues. The power of his resurrection extends, emanates from him as the great head over all of his people. And so we all may walk in newness of life. In order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. It is the new creation that Paul speaks of in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. So this eternal life that Paul mentions here, what is this beginning of eternal life? We can look back to verse 10 and 11 of this chapter. In verse 10, he says, for the death that he died, Christ, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So Christ is raised from the dead and he's ascended. He is at the right hand of God and there he lives to God. But then in verse 11, he says, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. In other words, the same resurrection power that is at work in Jesus is now at work in us so that we too now in this newness of life, we begin to live to God as well. Before conversion, we were dead to God. We could not live toward him, but now we live for him. We live to him. We love him and we delight in him by the new heart that he has given to us. We desire to obey him and walk in his ways. We desire to be obedient to him and to please him. We delight in fellowship and communion with him. We love his word. We love his kingdom and his people. This is living toward God. Before we were converted, we were dead to God. Now we are alive. This is the beginning of eternal life for us. However faltering we often are. And however sinful we are, eternal life now is at work. This newness of life is in us already. It is the abundant life that Jesus spoke of, that we might have life and we might have it abundantly. In John chapter 17 and verse 3, Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they may know thee, 
the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And this is the beginning of eternal life. The only life of true peace for the human soul. The only life in which a man and woman knows who we are and what we are doing here. The only life in which we know the purpose and the meaning of life. The only life in the soul that can bring true contentment and satisfaction and happiness. The world is looking for it. And the world strives with all of its strength to find it. But the world does not know that it is all found in Jesus Christ. This newness of life by the power of his resurrection. When Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well. She was a woman who had a thirsty soul. A soul filled with the emptiness of the things of the world. And Jesus said to her. Everyone who drinks of the water of this well. Meaning the things of this life shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him. Shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him. Shall become in him a well. Springing up to eternal life. And that's who we once were before salvation. We were like that woman at the well, always looking to the things of the world to fill our souls. But now Christ has given to us this water of eternal life. And so the great change has come upon us. In these ways, as Paul deals with these things here in Romans chapter In these chapters in the book of Romans, we are freed. This newness of life is freedom from guilt and power of sin. This newness of life is the beginning of eternal life now. But then Paul speaks here at the end of verse 4, and he speaks of our walking, walking in newness of life. And this is the way the Bible speaks often of walking. The Christian life is a walking with God, And so here it is walking in this newness of life. We want to look at other ways in which we walk in this newness of life. And the third thing we say this morning is that to walk in the newness, in newness of life, is to walk in the light of Jesus Christ. To walk in the light of Christ. We turn in our, Bi- in our Bibles to the Gospel of John and chapter 8. We'll go through some verses where we see what this walking in newness of life really is. John chapter 8 and verse 12. Again, therefore Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life, the light of eternal life. Jesus makes one of his I am statements here, a revelation of his divinity. I am the light of the world, he says. Light and darkness are contrasted to one another. Darkness is the symbol of sin and evil and death. Darkness is lies and falsehood and the spiritual darkness of the devil's kingdom And anyone who walks in darkness does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. By nature, we are in this darkness. Light is the symbol of purity. Light is the symbol of truth, holiness, uprightness, everything that is good and right. By nature, we are in this darkness, but Christ is the light of the world and whoever follows Jesus Christ believes in him shall never walk in darkness any longer it is impossible he says I am the light of the world and he who follows me he who believes in me he shall not walk in darkness anymore it cannot be because the light of Christ is shining down upon him and he shall have the light 
of life, not just a glimmer of life, but everything that the man is as he follows Jesus, his entire life, his soul, everything about him is now under the light of Christ, who is the light of the world. The darkness is gone. The devil's kingdom, deliverance from that kingdom is over, and we are in the light, and we are walking in the light as he himself is in the light. What greater change could there ever be than to come from darkness into light? And that's what Christ has done to us who are believers in him. The light of his truth, the light of his presence, the light of his hope, the light of all the purity of his ways. We are to follow him and walk with him in all the light. The darkness is gone. The light has come. So great is the light that is in a Christian that the Bible calls us the sons of light and the sons of day. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, in verse 13, he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, which is the kingdom of light. It is a transfer of kingdoms. This is what the newness of life is. It is a transfer from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. What do we see when we look at the world all around us? We see what darkness is like. A world of confusion. A world of bewilderment. A world that does not even know what is right and what is wrong. A world that cannot distinguish between good and evil so often. A world that does not know which way to go. Because the world is in darkness. But by the power of Jesus, we have been rescued out of that domain of darkness. And now we walk in this newness of life following him. The next thing we can say is that to walk in newness of life is to walk by faith. We turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse... Seven. Paul says, verse 7, he says, We walk, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is contrasted with sight here. The world lives by sight, which means that the world believes that the only things that are real and the only things that are worth living for are the things that our eyes see. And so the world spends all of its strength and life and energy on obtaining more and more of the things that it can see. That's what it means to live by sight. But we live by faith, which is which means that we see things that the world cannot see because God has revealed those things to us in the scripture. And we know of things and we see realities that cannot be seen of the unseen world. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And in that chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, the apostle speaks of the great men and women of faith who walked with God by faith. By faith, Enoch walked with God. By faith, Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Moses and so many others, they were walking in the newness of life. And they were walking by faith, which enabled them to see things that could not be seen with human eyes and to believe and trust in the promises of God and to accomplish great things for him. We read there that by faith, Noah 
being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance. By faith, he lived in an alien, as an alien in a land of promise, as in a foreign land, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder was God, is God. That's what walking in newness of life is. It is a walking by faith in the word of God. That's what we are doing today as we see and know things that can only be known by faith and are hidden from the world all around us. We know that Christ is risen from the dead. We know that Jesus Christ has ascended and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven this morning. We know that he rules as the king with all power and authority over all things. And we know that the day is fixed when he will come back from heaven in great majesty and glory. And there will be the resurrection of all men and every man and woman who has ever lived will stand before Jesus as the great judge. And there he will be in glory and power. And to the wicked he will say, depart from me, accursed ones into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. But to his people he will say, Come, you inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. This is the newness of life that we have entered into, where we see and believe and know these things to be true. This is why we continue to live the Christian life. This is why we continue to repent of our sins. This is why we continue to pursue holiness. This is why we continue to go to the blood of Jesus that alone can take away all of our sins and wash our robes and make them clean in the blood of the Lamb. We are seeking to prepare for that great day. Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, this is what Moses did as he walked in newness of life by faith. Moses chose rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward and then the apostle says, for those who say such things, make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. That is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one. And therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. That's what it means to walk in newness of life. We walk by faith and not by sight. But then in the next place to walk in newness of life is to walk by the Holy Spirit. To walk by the Holy Spirit, we turn over to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. Galatians and chapter 5. And verse 16. Paul says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Flesh and spirit here. Flesh and the spirit are in contrast to one another. We once lived in the desires and the lusts of the flesh. But now in newness of life, we walk in by the Holy Spirit's power in us. The flesh is still in us and makes war against us, as Paul goes on to mention in the following verses, but the Holy Spirit dwells in us as believers, and by the Spirit's power we are able to overcome the deeds of the flesh. This is where all the grace and strength of the Christian life comes from, not from ourselves, but from the Holy Spirit. So Paul exhorts us, walk by the Spirit. He means bring your life under the influence of under the grace and power of the Holy Spirit, bring your life under the direction of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, when Paul says walk by the Spirit, he also means walk by the Word. Because the Word is the Word of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit inspired the Word. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. So there is no inconsistency between the two. When Paul says walk in the Spirit, he means walk in the Word of God inspired by the Spirit and then be empowered by the Holy Spirit to keep that Word. We may think of it this way. The Word is the outward guidance of the Holy Spirit. But then the Holy Spirit comes to give us inward power to walk in that Word. All of this comes by the resurrection of Christ. Because at his resurrection, new powers of the Holy Spirit were given to him. And Christ now sends the Holy Spirit down from heaven. And the Spirit dwells in every believer and gives strength and grace to him. His grace is not automatic. We must go to Jesus daily and ask for fuller measures of the Holy Spirit. But it is a most amazing thing that this is what the newness of life is. The third person of the blessed Trinity has come to dwell in the hearts of believers. To be our helper, to be our comforter, to be the one who gives us light and truth and everything needed in the Christian life. Spirit of power, the spirit of light, the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of truth the spirit of love and the spirit of grace, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in us. Paul says, walk by the Spirit, and then the promise is, you will not carry out the deeds of the flesh. And then the next thing we want to say this morning is that to walk in the newness of life is to walk in the likeness of Christ. But before I get to that one, I have two others real brief in the book of Ephesians. We don't want to miss this. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, we can say this to walk in the newness of life is to walk in a life of good works. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, Paul says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we should walk in a life of good works. Back in verses 1 through 3, he describes how dead and defiled we were before salvation. But then God gave us new life and we walk in this newness of life. And so we now live in a life of good works. Over in chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians and down in verse 17, we see the newness of life is to walk in a transformed life. This is what he says, verse 17. He says, This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer, no longer, just as the Gentiles also walked in the futility of their minds, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts, they, having become callous, have given themselves over, given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. He describes the world and the power of sin that is in the world by nature and all of its wickedness, darkness and evil. But we no longer live. We no longer walk in that way because we have learned Christ and we are now walking in the newness of life. So now we come to that next point to walk in newness of life is to walk in the likeness of Christ in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Let me add to what we just saw in walking in the Holy Spirit that the Christian life is often a very long path, it seems to us. The years do go quickly. 
but the struggles and the trials and the sins that we must overcome along the way seem so difficult and heavy at times that the pathway seems long. Where can we get strength? Where can we get fresh power to continue to walk in this newness of life? That's what Paul means when he says walk in the Spirit. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is infinite and we may always get new strength from him in our walk. But here in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, John says, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. The one who says, it's easy to say something. Words are cheap, as they say. And anyone can say, I abide in him. But what is the evidence? And what is the proof and the confirmation that one does abide in him? That John gives the answer that he ought to walk in the same manner as he walked. In the same pattern, Christ is the perfect example of how we should live. And the conformity to Christ is the final goal of the newness of life. How did Jesus live? Jesus lived in humility. He lived in great patience and long-suffering with his disciples. He lived a life of self-denial, sacrificial service to others, even to the death of the cross. The whole pattern of his life was always thinking of the good of others rather than himself and his own desires. And his entire life is summed up in that word that we read this morning, that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so Jesus walked in love and kindness in all of his ways. And that's what we are called to do as well. John says later that we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's walking as Christ walked. And so this newness of life means that we walk in the same manner after the perfect pattern of our Lord Jesus Christ in all of these ways. But then the last thing we see this morning is that to walk in newness of life is to walk toward the eternal kingdom of glory. To walk worthy of that eternal kingdom of glory. We see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And verse 12, he says, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. This is Paul's exhortation to the Thessalonians that in all of their life, in everything that they did publicly, privately, in all their conduct, they would be careful to walk in a manner that is worthy of God, worthy of his nature, worthy of his character and holiness in heaven, worthy in a way that shows that we belong to him. That's what it means to, be, to walk worthy of God. He is the God who calls you. This is what we should remember, that he is the God who calls you, the effectual call of God in the gospel. We hear his voice speaking to us in the scripture. It is unavoidable. He calls us. And what does he call us into, he says? He calls us into his own kingdom and glory. In other words, he had the end in view from the very beginning when he called us to himself. He called you for what end, for what purpose, for what goal that we might enter in to his kingdom and glory. He did not call us to walk on the narrow way 
And then at the end of the narrow way, there would be nothing there. No. That's not what he does. That's not what he would ever do. He has called us to walk on the narrow way, in this newness of life, on the narrow way, so that in the end, we would enter into the celestial city. This is his purpose in calling us. This is his purpose in keeping us on the narrow way that we would enter that city in the end. We are already in his kingdom, yes, but we will enter the eternal glory of the kingdom, the final destiny in the new heavens and the new earth. The holy city, the new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven. And there will be the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and the tree of life on either side of the street, yielding its fruit every month, new fruit, and the leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. This is the destiny that he has called us to. We should walk worthy in it. It is a walking worthy of him in this newness of life, considering the great end that he has called us to and where we are headed. So I close our time this morning with a couple of very brief applications. The first is that this newness of life belongs only to us who believe. The most amazing thing, that everything that we have talked about this morning belongs only to those who believe and know the Lord Jesus as the Savior. The world walks aimlessly without any purpose, meaning in life. The world walks without any hope. And men wake up every day and spend all their strength in this world and they do not know where they are going or what they are doing here. But we who believe, we walk in this newness of life. A most amazing newness of life. A life of freedom. A life of freedom from the guilt and the power of sin ruling us. A newness of life, which is the beginning of the eternal life, which is to come already in us. A newness of life in which we have fellowship and communion with God, new hearts to obey him, a newness of life in which we walk under the light of Christ in this dark world, a newness of life in which we live by faith, knowing all the things that God has spoken to us and the promises of the world to come. A newness of life under the power and grace of the Holy Spirit. We walk in the Spirit in this present world. And we walk in the likeness of Christ as we walk toward that eternal kingdom that is to come. This is who we are as Christians. And this is what we often ought to think about, who we really are in this world. We are not like the world. We have been made new. And we walk in this newness of life in all of these ways. God, help us to know who we are and to rejoice in it. The second thing I say very briefly is that we are the ones who must walk in this way. That's what Paul said back in Romans chapter 6. We walk. In all these verses, we are the ones who walk. God does not walk. We are the ones who walk. We walk by his grace and strength, but we must be diligent, careful, to keep ourselves walking on that way. By his grace, by his strength working in us. But we are the ones who must walk. Always seeking to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And then the last thing we say this morning. Is to any who are not believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
and do not know this newness of life, you are invited to enter this newness of life this morning. And Jesus has sent you the gospel, and he calls you to turn from your sins and to flee to him and believe in him and trust in him. Jesus calls you to go to him, the only Savior. Go to him in the word of God. That's where you find him. You find him in the scriptures. That's his revelation. That's his word. That's his voice. And you go to him and you ask him, Lord Jesus, come and save me and rescue me from my own ways and bring me into this newness of life. And he saves sinners, even today. Let's pray together. Father and gracious God in heaven, we thank you for the word of the living God. Thank you for the glorious things that are spoken to us of all that Jesus Christ has done for us to save us from our sins. Lord, help us, we pray, to see truly who we are as your people. Give us hearts that are glad and rejoice in it. And give us grace that we would be faithful to walk in all of your ways. And we pray for those who do not know the Lord Jesus. Have mercy, Lord Jesus. You are able to open the eyes of the blind and give them sight. You are able to unstop the ears of the deaf and give them hearing. You are able to deliver men from the darkness and bring them in to your marvelous light. Lord, bless your word and use it with mighty power to save all of us who are here this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name.